0: Hey there, thank you for listening to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. This is Clark Chilton, Associate Pastor of Contemporary Worship and Evangelism. For the month of September, we're gonna be looking at what the Bible says about family. And the sermon series we're doing is called Family Life. We're gonna look at some of the practical things the Bible has to say about marriage, singleness, parenting, and more. So dig in with us. We hope this series is a blessing to you. And thanks again for listening. So um, please comment below with books or things, resources, advice that have helped you with being a parent, um, that have been a blessing to you, and let us share that information together in a way that we can love each other in that way. So again, today is parenting, and um, I was finding some really interesting quotes about parenting that, that summarize it for those of us who are parents at whatever age uh, we are. Someone said that parenting can feel like a train that you can't get off of and that you're just on the train. Uh, One person said, parenting, you know, your life has changed. When you go to the grocery store, it's like going on vacation. Um, David Frost said, having one child makes you a parent. Having two makes you a referee. And I would add to that, having uh, more than two children uh, makes you have to utilize a zone defense instead of man to man. Um. Parenting can feel like you want to hug and yet strangle your child at the same time. Uh, The the comedian Jim Gaffigan, who famously has five children, um, when he had his fourth child, someone asked him, What's it like having a fourth child? And he said, Imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. That's what it felt like for him. Um, One person said, Do I question my own parenting? Sure, but to be honest, sometimes I question my child's childing. And have you ever had a job where you had no experience, no training, no pay, you weren't allowed to quit, and people's lives were at stake? That's parenting. And uh, I know I'm getting an amen somewhere from somebody. Um, So I'm by no means an expert, but I do have two kids myself, and I want to say that none of us are going to parent perfectly, okay? (laughs) Okay. And none of us are. Um, we will not get the, our children to re, ad, adulthood without some regrets on our part. It's inevitable. We're all in that same boat together. However, there are things that we can do correctly. There are things we can do. Even though parenting nowadays is more challenging maybe than ever before, um, we have to be reminded that good parenting it, it require, requires fortitude Faith and resilience. There are some really practical things that we're going to learn from the Bible in a in a relatively quick way today um, that you can put in your parenting toolbox and with God's help use these tools wisely. There are, I believe, right and wrong ways to be a parent. And again, not to shame anyone, but we we pray that I pray these things help and bless those who listen today. Again, We're all in this together. Parenting does not have to be a free-for-all in which you merely grasp at whatever works day after day. There are real objective standards and helps, as we'll see in Scripture. Again, if you have something to add to this conversation, let us hear from you in the comments below. But I'm going to give you five parenting precepts. I know know, I'm a big fan of having a one-point sermon, maybe three. But as I was writing this, I just couldn't stop. I realized I wanted to get as much into this as I could. Um, So uh, you can take notes if you want to. Usually I don't like to pack so much in, but I wanted to do it for this topic. And maybe in the future we can unpack it in more detail. But for today, I wanted to take advantage of this topic of parenting. So there's five parenting precepts. Spiritual gardening, which I'll get into in a second. Be the parent, not just a buddy. Control the media, discipline, and consistency. So the first one is spiritual gardening. And the scripture we're going to look at is Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 6 from the Old Testament. This is God speaking to Moses. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your ho- home and on your gates. When I, was, when I read these words, it makes me, it, it makes me f- this, I get an image of, of gardening, of tilling soil. That, that God immediately, when he speaks to Moses and the nation of Israel and says, remember these commandments, it's very telling that God immediately turns their attention to children and to family. God's heart immediately says, pass these things on to your children. And, and God is assuming from us, from parents, that we will be transparent about our faith, that we'll be authentic about our faith, that we'll be real about it. We're not going to be heavy-handed with our kids about our faith. But if you see in these passages of Deuteronomy, it's more about weaving of the fabric of your lives and just a holistic, authentic part of your everyday life. It's not about beating them over the head with it, but it's almost like tilling the soil. It's not harvesting, but you're planting seeds day after day. No forced Bible reading or lectures, but just it's who you are as parents. It's not something you turn off and on, but it's you're following Christ day after day. So as it says here in Deuteronomy, at home, at home, you simply are living your faith at home. Whatever that looks like for you, it's your house, it's your rules, but whatever that looks like for you at home, it says when you are away. So when you're away from home, maybe when you're away from church, find a church to go to. If you're at the beach, if you're in the mountains, if you're out of town with your family, and it's on a Sunday. Find a church to go to because you're, you're telling your children following God is important to us no matter where we are. At bedtime, of course, pray with your kids, especially when they're little. Our children, no, no pressure, but our children learn their speech from their parents primarily. And in so doing, they learn how to pray or don't learn how to pray from their parents. Our children need to hear us Pray. They need to learn how to pray from us. One of the pastors I worked with many years ago, his name is Chris Thor. He's an elder in the Methodist Conference. He has three adult children now. And I was always so impressed with his kids because a lot of times in ministry, you'll see that ministry kids or uh, pastor's kids, PKs, can um, not always be keen on Christianity because they they're just around it all the time. They grew up in church every every Sunday. And they got kind of jaded about it. But his kids um, weren't like that. They were so loving and full of the Spirit and mature. And, and I was just so impressed with them. And I remember I asked his son one day, I said, what was the secret? And he said, you know what? Like, we didn't have, like, family devotionals or something like that. But as we went off to school, he would say, hey, hey here's, here's a little scripture I want you to think about. Or, or, or how can I pray for you today? And it's just a fabric of their lives. He was constantly planting seeds with his children. And, and so very similar to this idea and we're hearing from in Deuteronomy. And so one way that we till the soil, we spiritually garden with our, children, our children's lives is pray for them. I mean, this might be the most important, the most critical is in many ways, if we don't pray for our children, very few other people will. They are given to us as gifts from God and we have to cherish and steward these gifts of God that he has given us. I would not be who I am today without the prayers of my, my parents, especially my mother. I would not be, right, trust me, I never thought I'd be a pastor in a church a um, long, long time ago. It's the grace of God, and it's the prayers of our parents, have especially moms, have a lot of power. So please pray. Continue to pray for your kids every single day. Fight for them in prayer. Trust God for their futures. I know you're not supposed to mix metaphors, but this idea of spiritual gardening, it reminds me of another one of, of a greenhouse, and that when you implement these words of Deuteronomy, just the everyday fabric of your life, just a natural part, it's sort of like how a greenhouse doesn't force a plant to grow, but it creates the conditions for growth to occur, and that's what you're doing when you're praying over your kids, you're praying over your home, um, you're, you're following Christ day after day. You're creating conditions for spiritual vitality and growth to be taking root in the hearts of your children. Um, so that's one. Second one is be the parent, not just a buddy. Uh, many years ago, I was a huge fan of the TV show Super Nanny. Uh, it might still be on TV somewhere, but um, I can summarize. I've seen a lot of his episodes, but I can summarize the show pretty much in this one idea that she would constantly have to tell parents, just be the parent. The parents were afraid to discipline their children. They thought by disciplining them, they would be hurting them somehow. But but ironically, the opposite is true. Um, You don't have to apologize for being a parent. It's the job you're given, so step into it and see it as a solemn and holy responsibility. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And the, the writer of Proverbs is saying, a lack of discipline will ruin a child's life. And that is so profoundly true. When you were in high school, I know when I was in high school, I had a you have that friend that has the quote unquote cool parent that Kind of allows anything to go in their home. You can drink in their house or or whatever. And, uh, you know, and of course, kids want to go to that parent's house. But in reality, it's not cool. It's not cool. You're not being the parent, you're being the buddy. You're not giving discipline to your kids. You're giving them a lot of leeway that can cause a lot of pain. See, a parent's job is not to prevent your child from making mistakes, they're going to make mistakes. But one of our main jobs is to help the child learn from their mistakes. And we're not going to do that if we're just their buddy. The the third one is control the media. And in our day and age, this might be more important than ever. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Parents, we should be guarding our heart in terms of what we take into our lives through music, media, movies. Um, it, is, it is like eating junk food. Uh, and it does affect us, I think, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. We have to guard ourselves against things in the world that are just um, unhealthy to our souls. And in so doing, the same is for our kids. We must guard their hearts while they are still young, so that we can protect them from stuff that is on the internet that is simply evil. But all too often, um, we, parents can give a lot of leeway to media when kids are too young, and we're tossing them in the deep end of a very dangerous world when we do that. Um, in the 21st century, parenting is not like it used to be. It's not how it has been ever, I think, in the history of the world. For we have opened the Pandora's box of the internet. And once it's out, we cannot get it back, the genie back in the bottle, if you will. Now, I was in the youth ministry for over 15 years. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of teenagers. And so I speak from experience when I talk about social media and how parents, you've got a parent online nowadays. And that before with my generation before that wasn't an issue, but now it is. You have to be with them online when they're young. Because social media and things on the internet can be helpful, and they have a few benefits not very many, but they got a few. It's sort of like fire fire provides warmth, it cooks your food, but it also burns down your house. And it's the same with media especially social media. I've seen teenagers' lives be ruined by there was a lack of oversight while they were online or they were simply too young to get involved with the stuff that they were getting involved with. Left unchecked, it causes a lot of pain. So if your kid is on Snapchat, you should probably be on Snapchat. If your kid's on TikTok, if it's still around, you might need to be on TikTok. If they're on Facebook, even though Facebook isn't cool anymore, you should be on Facebook. And you know what? The instant you get on those platforms, those platforms then become uncool. So that might work in your favor. But, um, and then creating, then they, the child may create a fake account with a different name. You've got to be, I know it's a lot to keep track of, it is. But we have to be transparent and honest. Now look, I know with media, I'm going to be respectful to people because it's your house, it's your rules. Um, but here are some suggestions about media that I'm going to offer out there. These are from the pastor, Jim White, from Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, and they're very, very good, very practical. The top 10 list of media things parents should be aware of. Number 10, don't let them join any social media media prior to the stated age on that platform. So if the stated age is 14 or older, don't let them on it. Number nine, don't let them be on Facebook unless they friend you. Or any other platform that you feel comfortable with. Don't allow TVs in the rooms. Keep your computer in a public area. Tell your kids, don't share their passwords with their friends. Not even their best friends. This is a big one for me. No cell phones at the dinner table. Because that's a holy time to really connect with one another and talk. And be in connection with each other. Just put it away and turn it off. Those are days we can't get back. And it's so vital we spend that time as families together, just sharing about our day, just even if it's for a few moments. If you're having times where you have a family outing or vacation, make it clear that texting and the phone maybe need to be turned off, that that relationships are more important right now than what you're looking at on the screen. Number three, don't let them sleep with their phone under their pillow or by the bed. For one, the phone can mess with your sleep and your brain and stuff while you're asleep, but also you need sleep, so turn them off at bedtime number two don't let them see a movie unless it's been thoroughly reviewed by you regardless of the rating ratings are a little bit different than they used to be uh, and so you can pick up on some pretty suggestive stuff even in pg movies sometimes lastly limit phone minutes text and online hours if you don't it will take over their lives there is a real thing of teenagers becoming addicted to their phones and they can't when they do let go of it they have anxiety attacks we have to teach our children more about how to responsibly handle things like media. Again, I could talk about that for a long, a lot longer. So the next one is discipline. Discipline. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. When we ever moved in my life, my dad he grew up in, on a farm in Pilot Mountain, so. He really, uh, it's in our blood, I guess, to get into the earth and plant things, and so he'd always plant a tree uh, to commemorate the new home, or uh, we'd plant a lot of stuff, really, but whenever I'd help him plant a tree, you put it in the ground, and if it's a big enough tree, you have to get some really firm rope or uh, wire to, to straighten the crooked tree so that its roots go straight, so that... You would have that correctional pull, if you will, to help the tree be where it needed to be. And in many ways, discipline can be like that. It's not any fun sometimes to give a correctional pull on somebody. But here's the truth, though, is that obedient children are far happier than disobedient children. They really do crave discipline and order. And really, when children are crying out, they're acting out, they're being disobedient... Um, in many ways, they're, they're testing you to see if a rule exists. They're covertly checking to see how far they can go and if there, a boundary is there or not. And it's exhausting at first to try and keep those boundaries. But especially when they're young, it's so critical that we do that. Because if a kid doesn't learn obedience from a young age, they could have a very rough adulthood. And I learned this next one about discipline when I was 24 years old. I was nowhere near to the point of having children. My wife and I were engaged at this point. But I heard Jim White from Mecklenburg Church in Charlotte give this piece of advice. And I never forgot it. And I implemented it with my kids ever since they were born. And it works. I never forgot this. He said, don't just discipline bad behavior. He said, we waste a lot of energy being exasperated at children simply being children. So if they break something, or they speak out of turn, or they knock something over, they're doing things out of ignorance. There's no point in being angry about that. Don't discipline the symptom, he said. But you do discipline when they challenge your authority. If they look you in the eye and say no, and or talk back directly, you've got to discipline that. It's sort of like bad behavior is like a misdemeanor, misdemeanor. It's not good, but challenging authority is a felony. That's a problem. That's a problem. And you got to start that with, with when they're young. Now it requires fortitude. It's not again, it's not enjoyable. But I remember when our kids too sometimes, especially when they were really little, and they would challenge authority and want to see if a boundary was there. And every kid's different, you know, we, we all know that. But a lot of times we'd have to sit down and dig in and, and not break until they apologized and let them know that the parents are the ones that are in authority, not them. And you're not going to hurt them by showing them that mom and dad, mom and or dad are in charge. Because if kids do learn obedience at a young age, honestly, it gets easier as they get older Then as they get older, you can more parent and mentor and guide and shepherd their lives and not have to spend time addressing behavior that will become very difficult to enforce upon when they have more autonomy and they're older or even have a car. So that's why the young age is so critical. Um, Now, I know people, now, when I was growing up in the 80s, there were paddles everywhere. (laughs) Every school I went to, they did paddling. I never got paddled, thank God. Um, but I, 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 at least this is, I'm just speaking for me. We, know, we don't use physical um, discipline with our kids. I found that when you, when, you, when you act out of anger against a child, even though it's tempting sometimes, and I'm, I've never done it perfectly either, but when I've done that, it shows them it's a bad example for them how to process their anger. So for us, just speaking for us, we did timeouts where we put a kid in timeout and, and you're clear and you state why it's happening and you don't use qualifiers like okay. We don't give okay. We simply state it and walk away. You don't apologize for discipline. You just don't. Because you love them enough, as Proverbs says, you care about them enough to do it. The essence of successful discipline with kids is not technique, but self confidence. That's what it comes down to. They need to hear us say no sometimes, multiple times throughout the day, and you actually mean it. Um, now, I say all of that, and I think it's important to balance discipline with compassion, of course, and love, and see that balance that, that exists. I think it exists in the heart of God for us, and it also, sh- also should be the same way that we love our children. God disciplines those that He loves. And he, he chastens those. He, re, he rebukes us sometimes because he loves us. So, so balance it with compassion, though. I think keep a list of things your child is doing well and tell them about the things that you appreciate about mm-hmm. them. Don't just remind them of places they have failed. That's easy to do. Uh, again, back to, back to Supernanny. Whenever we would do timeouts, after it was over, we would say to our kid, our child, why, do, do you know why you were in timeout? And they would say, you know, this is why. And then they would apologize, but then we would end it with a hug and t- telling them that we love them. So you have that balance of compassion and discipline. Now, I know you're thinking, hey, I've got a 16-year-old. I don't think timeouts work anymore. <laughs> and that's true. You can't do that. Um, and so this week on Facebook, I asked people for advice about parent, uh, parenting. and I got a lot of really good stuff people said. And one person said something really good for teenagers, and I found this to be true as well, that you, you really need to listen more than you lecture at that age. And, and maybe when they were young, you didn't do a lot of the obedience stuff and the discipline stuff, and they're kind of getting away from you. And, and all you know now, you know, I remember um, some of the great Christian parents I know said that, you know what? I, we prayed on our knees more for them during the teenage years than any other time frame with our kids and that could very well be true. Prayer and listening to them and not lecturing. Letting them know you're on their side and you are. Even though you may disagree with what they're doing or what they've done, they've got to know that, 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 you're, that mom and dad and or dad are with them on their side. I'll never forget when I was struggling in high school, my, my mom would come in and say, Is, if there's anything you want to tell me, just, just tell me. I'm here to listen. And I never forgot that. It meant so much to me that I knew that that lifeline was there. And uh, lectures can really just push a kid away, kid away even more. So listen and don't lecture. And so lastly, I think too, you, you bless them at bedtime. Again, you get back to, hey, here's something that we, I really appreciate about what you did today, or I'm thankful for you about this. Uh, that I think is important. Next is consistency. Consistency. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yay, I'm glad sports are back, okay? This is awesome. Basketball has been back for a while. I hope college basketball gets back into play. I'm super pumped about this. Um, now imagine, you know, when I played basketball for many years, or I've watched a lot of basketball over the years, and you know when there's a, a, the referee makes a call, I've never seen the players get in the referee's face, you know, or not in the face because they'll get a technical bit. You know, they complain. I've never seen a referee go, you know what? You're making a good point right now. I'm going to change my mind and overturn that call. Very Now they have maybe that in the NBA a little bit now. But you never see a referee go, you know what? I'm going to make a deal with you. You're right. You never see that. Because what would happen in a basketball game if referees, you know, enforce the rules you know, sort of dispassionately, just laissez-faire, whenever it just fits my agenda, or if the referee threatened or gave second chances for the foul call or made deals with the player, you know what, don't do it again and, and uh, I'll, you know, I'll make it your, your worthwhile later. No, the game would be a free-for-all. It'd be chaos. And it's the same with us as parents. If we threaten with empty threats to our kids, or we give second chances without any repercussion, or we make deals. I don't think we have to do that. They need, they need to see parents as, are being consistent with how they speak to them, especially with discipline, because our parents, uh, the children in our lives, they see us as parents as the anchors for them. They are the anchors of their lives, um, and so, without that anchor, that relationship with a mom and dad, and/or dad, you know, they can really run adrift. And no one is perfectly consistent all the time, like no one. And so that's why we do need God's help. We do need to pray and pray for our kids and love them with God's love. I don't know how in the world you could be a halfway decent parent nowadays and not trust God. I just don't see how you do it. Um, hats off to you if you're listening. I pray for you, um, but. Uh, we need to trust God even more for our kids and ask God to help us be consistent in how we speak and parent and guide and shepherd these young lives. One way to be consistent is being consistent with your marriage, if you're married, um, and fight for your marriage first, because it really is the center of, that, of your family. So go on dates regularly. Uh, make time, even when you're busy or if your kids are little, you've got to make time for that. to to maintain that relationship with one another and be in communication with each other. You have to be consistent with that. Secondly, be consistent with your time. Uh, Nowadays, time might be the most valuable thing that we have, and and how we spend it is so critical. And the more you say no to outside events, the more you can then say yes to your family um, and to your marriage. So... Lastly, I would say be consistent with your actions. We've all heard this saying, do as I say, not as I do. Maybe you've heard your parents say that back in the day. Do as I say, not as I do. That's really bad advice. It's just not good in any way possible. Um, What we really should be saying is, don't do as I say, do as I do. Because our actions show our deepest beliefs and our priorities. What you do shows what you believe. Parenting is primarily about a consistency of action, particularly when it comes to faith, your Christian faith, a consistency in your faith. And I'm going to explain what I mean here in just a moment. After Now, there's been a lot of studies about this. After Christian kids graduate high school, a lot of studies show this, their involvement in their faith drops precipitous, precipitously as they get into their young adult years, between 18 and 25. Once they reach their early to mid-20s, these are kids raised in the Protestant church. Once they reach their early to mid-20s, only one in three kids are still active in their faith. So that's 67% of every child graduated from a youth ministry or a church, 67% have no Activity in their faith whatsoever. It's a crazy high number. But there's some good news here. Here it is. 80% of that number will return to their faith later in adulthood based on one factor of consistency. And it's this. If mom and dad continued in their walk with Christ consistently in that same time period... 80% of those kids return to the faith of their youth. See, you can't leave your roots. And all that stuff I was saying earlier about, about shepherding and gardening and tilling the soil of your child's lives and praying for them, it all matters. It all makes a difference. What you do week after week, day after day, the prayers you pray, every time you sit in that pew or you serve in that mission team or you write that tithe check and they see you do it, it all matters. It all snowballs into the witness to your children. It's all discipling in some fashion. See, we have to we have to fight for the souls of our children. We have to. We have to teach them the ways of the Lord and be unashamed in doing so. You know, if the Mormon church has their kids get up before school for four years and go to theology school, which they do, and then they go into two years of missionary work. I'm not saying we should do that, but we should have a bit more aggressive stance toward the faith of our children than we do. Because parents, you and I, are the sun and the center of their faith solar system. We are. And if you maintain, if you remain grounded in the Lord and consistent in your faith, And seeking God, even during times of trouble, maybe even when your child is rebellious and wayward, continue to seek the Lord. The odds are overwhelmingly in your favor. And God is in your favor as well, that that child will return to him and follow him faithfully. And Now when you read these words in Proverbs that we all know so well, maybe it'll make it sound a little bit different. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Doesn't that make it sound a little bit more, see what's at stake here, that when we plant those seeds, even when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. You and I have been given the gifts of these kids, these beautiful children that he has entrusted to us. So let us pray for them, let us fight for them. Let us remain grounded in, in God and also abundantly receive his grace that in areas that we know we have failed because we all have failed as parents at one time or another. There's no place for shame and self-pity. We, we all have made mistakes. We can learn from them and try today, this new day we have, to love our kids and shepherd them in ways that with God's help, he will help us to do because God is with you in this. He loves you and your families and your kids. So I'd be honored to pray with you right now. Let's pray. God, thank you for those listening. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of your word that guides us and helps us to know how to parent. God, we confess that parenting can feel overwhelming. It's hard. There's so much to manage and to, to, to deal with sometimes. God, slow us down. Speak to us, God, in ways that we can be a blessing to our kids and, and shepherd them and steward their lives in a way that raise them to a godly young adulthood with a real vibrant faith in you. And I pray for anyone right now that's struggling as a parent. They're overwhelmed. Maybe their kid, their child is rebellious and they've thrown up their hands and they don't know what to do, God. I pray they would know they're not alone. May you strengthen them in the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to to, to pray for their child, to lean on other Christians for prayer needs and help. Guide those of us listening into new resources we need to help us parent our kids in these challenging days. Grant peace to those whose hearts are full of turmoil and homes that feel upside down. May the peace of Jesus Christ be upon each one listening at this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.